This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another edition of the Austin Audible's podcast, Emergency Edition. Guys, this is two days in a row we have recorded two podcasts um what will wednesday be in store will we have two podcasts that day as well um because some breaking news happened this afternoon for the oregon men's basketball team really good news uh kwame evans jr also known as kj uh the number seven player in the country the third power forward in the country by 24 7 sports the composite is very similar Number seven in the country overall, number two power forward. He has announced his commitment to the Oregon Ducks. Uh, this is pretty crazy, pretty big, pretty historical. Uh, and Dana Altman and his staff probably are grinning ear to ear today because this was an expected outcome two months ago. And then it took a really dark turn towards Arizona. Um for the last month or so, and then in the last week, the Ducks surged back ahead and have landed his commitment. And it's, I don't want to over, you know, I don't want to just dramatize it, but it's kind of program altering. Could be a really special 2023 class. And I'll let Matt spill some beans on why that might be the case later, but it has been kind of a wild cycle for Oregon with Mookie Cook committing and then decommitting. And though he and Kwame Evans were seen as maybe a kind of a the pair that would, I don't want to say a package deal, but that would come in together. Well, that, that clearly wasn't happening. And now with Evans in the fold, it is like maybe that does happen. And I'll let Matt talk about the possibilities of that later. But, boy, uh, this is a really big addition. And we'll get into some of the player assessment stuff. I know Jared and I both watched quite a bit of him. We've got some player comps. Where, uh, he was a hard player to compare to, yeah, by the yeah. way, just kind of based on watching. Um, pretty unique player. He's a, left, he's a lefty. He shot about 40% on the EYBL circuit. In 2021, shoots the ball at a high, a high clip. I, I like his shot. Um, pretty quick release, natural release. Functionally, really athletic at six nine, maybe six ten, depending on kind of. I've seen a couple different heights for him. Uh, just a unique type style of player. Um, I, I don't think he's built to play on the inside. He's more of a perimeter oriented player at six nine, six ten, with a really, really good again, good motor, but then also a really good shooter. There's not a lot of players that really I could think of that were, I was really reminded of watching him. I know um, Matt mentioned Mikhail Bridges, a Tayshaun Prince kind of type. Those fit, but even those guys aren't like perfect, perfect comps because he has a little more length than those guys, a couple inches taller than those players. So I think he's a really unique player, somebody who will come to Oregon and more than likely probably be a pretty high-regarded draft pick. I just think his skill set, both offensively and again defensively, it's hard to tell in highlights. I know Jared was able to watch some more of the game film to to, to kind of garner a little bit of what he can do defensively. But I think somebody whose skill set is really high end for the NBA, and I'm sure Dana Altman and company are really excited to kind of see how they can utilize him. I think he's, from what I've seen, not a great initiator slash shot creator. Kind of needs a lot of that set up for him, and so that's where you think 
hopefully there's guards and, and perimeter players around him able to do that. Um, but boy, if he has in the right system with the right like players around him, he is a tremendous fit, I think, for especially a Dana Altman program that loves yeah. these kind of big, long perimeter players. Yeah, that's exactly what he is. He's a big, long perimeter player. Um, this is a huge get for the program, obviously. And, and like Eric said, um, you know, Matt has, has some other stuff about the class of 2023. Um, but Kwame Evans is, is a dude. He's a guy. He's a number seven ranked player in the, in the country for a reason. Um, number two power forward right behind um, uh, Mackenzie Mbako, I think it is, who's committed to Duke. Um, he was also another stud. Uh, this is, again, a huge get for the program. Uh, Kwame is, like Eric was mentioning, uber talented, a really hard player to comp. Um, really shoots it well from the perimeter, has a high motor. I watched a bunch of his EYBL games um, and his, his Montverde games on, on ESPN. Um, just a really high motor guy. Um, you, like, you, you see glimpses of what he could become as a creator. Um, he has... The probably he has the work ethic to try to get better at being a creator and being a better uh, ball handler. It's just not there yet, but that's fine when you're, you know, 17 year old kid, you're a rising junior, um, you know, you're six foot nine, but yeah. even without those skills, still being a top 10 player is impressive. Um, comes from a basketball family. We were talking about this before the show. Um, Kwame Evans senior was a standout at George Washington played four years there. Uh, actually inducted to the George Washington Basketball uh, Hall of Fame. So the Athletic Hall of Fame, I should say. Uh, averaged around 19 points a game his senior season. Um, so this is somebody who has has a, has a family that is basketball-oriented that can get even more into it. Um, you know, coming to Oregon, like Eric finished off with, this is exactly the type of player that Dana Altman would want. Um a young moldable guy who can play defense, who can shoot the ball, who can stretch the floor at his size, who can draw defenders away and free up passing lanes, free up driving lanes. I think it's a really good fit for Oregon. Um, and Kwame is your new prototypical six foot nine player. He's not six foot nine, 230 pounds, and he's banging down low, kind of like how I don't know, like a quick example is like Julius Randolph would be. Or excuse me, not Julius Randolph. Julius Randolph, not Julius Randolph. I got him or and Zach, Zach Randolph. Randolph. Yeah, yeah, the two of them just together. I like Julius Randolph. That's a good name. Um, not like Julius Randolph. He's not going to get down the low block and kind of take someone to school. Um, he's going to be a flasher. He's going to be a spot up shooter. He's going to. He came off screens for an, in his high school games as a spot up shooter. Um, really positional versatility, guys. Six eight, six nine, six ten, depending on what height you read. So. Again, I really like this for, for Oregon, obviously, and I really think that he and that 2023 class could be special. I think you you look at this and it sets up Oregon for an opportunity to go after the best class in school history for its program, which was 2018, which had Bull Bull, Lewis King, and – Ironically enough, Will Richardson, who's going to be a senior on this year's team, um, they were members of that of that class. And I think you look at the years that followed that recruiting class. You know, the first the first year they made the, but they found their way. And then they had another Sweet Sixteen run in there, and they had a, a season in which they won the Pac-12. They were 
on track to get a two or a three seed in the NCAA tournament, and then COVID shut everything down. And then uh, there was last season's NIT run. So four, you know, four years of, of postseason basketball, three in the tournament you want to be in, um, and you went far in, in that tournament. Um, you should be – this sets up that that type of a, of a possibility for Oregon because he, he joins Jackson Shellstead and it now becomes, okay, who's next? And you guys have kind of alluded to it a little bit here, and it's – you know, I, I think – it's obvious that Mookie Cook is probably the primary target for Oregon. Um, I would think, I would expect Mookie Cook to land with Oregon again. He committed already once and then backed off in June, I think it was, which was a really big surprise. Um, but Evans and Cook have been very tight. They're, they're very close to each other. Um, they've talked about wanting to play college ball together. That's where when Mookie Cook landed with Oregon, that's where that you know. The, the Kwame Evans stuff really built up for Oregon. Oregon felt like they were in a good spot before Cook committed, but then once he went in that first time as a duck, things lined up for Evans to go Oregon's way. Now the roles are reversed. Um, Evans is in, and Oregon's having to finish off and to, the, the work that needs to be done to, to get Mookie Cook. But that this this is where we're at now, where – it's a it's a possibility that that they can land the best class in school history. And quite honestly, if they if they choose to add a fourth guy, if they get Cook, let's just go big picture here. If they get Cook to join this this group with Jackson Shellstead and Kwame Evans, and they add a fourth player who's a high caliber player, and they're in on some guys, we could be talking about a potential number one class in the country too. Yeah, I was just going to ask. I hadn't done the class calculator. I'm trying to do it right now. Um, Jared, can you give me a class calculator where with Cook and Evans in the fold? Sure thing, brother. Let's see where that stacks up nationally because I think Duke's going to be hard to beat, but I'm just curious to see what the deficit is. Um, if, if this does come to fruition, that's the second and third highest rated players in program history in the same cycle. Bull Bull would be the only player high, more highly rated. Cook would be second and Evans would be third. Um, that would be an incredible class. What a dream class that would be. And Frankly, you get really excited thinking about the other players that might still be on the team deck. I mean, like, there's a lot of – there could be several five-stars on that roster still. We yeah. don't know. Um, I assume Infali Dante is probably out of the program by then. Um, but Nate Biddle could very well still be around. Um, I think there's a chance Kalel Ware could still be around. I, I think best-case scenario, you hope Kalel has a really good freshman season and ends up living up to the draft hype where he's – a top five, top 10 draft pick, and he's a one and done, but there's a possibility that happens. So did you, did, what, what is, what's the result on that, Jared? Uh, after you add Kwame and Mookie Cook, it is a 64.69, which is nice. It puts them in third spot already in the class of 2023 rankings behind Duke and Kentucky. Duke has four commits, all five stars headlined right. by Mbako, and Kentucky has three five-star commits headlined by number two overall, I think, in the country, Justin Edwards and Robert Dillingham. So they so would be probably out of the picture. But number, number one and number two are probably maybe I, I don't know. It depends well, how many guys Kentucky takes, but it right. also depends on how many guys Oregon takes. Matt, Matt, is there another name that you could okay? Give us the best case. Let's let's just try to play this out in real time. Who's the best case other guy that could add? You think? Well. I, I, Eric's favorite player, Paige Stajakovic's son, Andre, uh, is the 21st uh, yes. best player in the country, and Oregon's in his top six. All um, right, Jared, throw him in there. See what that does. I'm getting on it. 
if they get Andre, you know, if they, and I think that's the question that, that comes next with after landing Kwame Evans is what do you do? How many, how many more players do you want to add? Because we've seen some teams at Oregon where they've had a lot of guys on the roster, a lot of freshmen, a lot of talented players, and hardly any of them end up sticking out their Oregon careers because they want to play. They want to go somewhere else. It doesn't fit. Chemistry doesn't work. The roster doesn't fit. We've, we've also seen teams where they've, they've had a lot of guys and it's worked. And I think that's kind of the next decision that Dane Altman and his, his staff probably have to make is, okay, we've, we've got Jackson in, we've got Kwame in. Uh, do we want to go just all in on Moki Cook and be done? Uh, or if we don't land Mookie Cook, find someone else to replace him. Or if, if we can get Mookie Cook, awesome. And if can we add somebody else? And if it is somebody else, I think Stajakovic is probably the most likely guy because Oregon's already in his top six. They've made his final group. He's going to make official visits. Um, they're going to get an official visit from him. I think he pairs well with Cook and Evans because he's a shooter yeah. and would provide more wing support for Jackson Shellstead. Um, that's kind of what's the, the, the question is you have to find someone that would pair well with what you it's finding shooters and this guy, Andre, you might have a harder time finding, uh, someone who's drastically better than him shooting three pointers. What's, what's the calculus on that, Jared, if you throw him in? Well, after bringing out the calculator, um, 69.16, another excellent and nice rating, which would put them second in the country behind Duke, but ahead of Kentucky. Um, I think there aren't too many sleeper teams out there um, in terms of, like, who's going to come up. I mean, it's very early in the cycle, obviously, but Duke already with four guys. Um, their average player ranking is 99.47, which is pretty good. Um but again, this all depends on how many guys Oregon decides to take. So maybe number one is out of the question. But you know, if they take Soyakovic and they add Mookie and they add Kwame with Jackson Shellstad, that's a that's a number probably a top two, top three class in the country, which I don't think any of us would be complaining about. I don't think anybody any school across the country would be complaining about that. Um, it's a very talented class, but I agree with Matt for the most part where. Um, a, you got to figure out how many people you're going to take, and B, somebody like Soyakovic, if he's on if he's on the wing, that's going to open up the floor. Um, Oregon in years past, especially the last three years, the shooting just hasn't been there. They just had a dude who you can comfortably rely on besides Anthony Mathis, and that was for what do we want to say, 89% of a season after the, the COVID stuff. Um, that's and and he was fantastic, but he was also you know kind of streaky. If he was in a hot spurt, that'd be, you know, lights out potentially from beyond the arc. But more often than not, you know, 36, 38% three-point shooter is is good, but um, you just need something more. You need a, a real reliable guy. And if Will Richardson can return to form where he was two years ago where he's shooting above 40%, um, I think he finished just shy of 40 this this past season. Um, if they can get somebody to, to just come in and start knocking down threes who are open on the wing and not – not really having to create off the dribble, although that would be nice. Um, and I think Stajakovic fits that molds. Um, and I don't think that he's necessarily like a one and done guy. I would say he's, you know, depending on what the roster looks like at that point for the Ducks, um, he could be there for two or three years, um, maybe like a little Tyler Dorsey action. But 
you know, I, I think he's he's an extremely talented player as well, obviously like top 25 in the country. Um, but adding him to that 2023 class would be just, again, huge for the program, uh, huge for the Ducks, and could could end up really benefiting down the road, especially if they, if they A, add him, and B, if they keep him away from, from UCLA, who is his current crystal ball leader. I think let's end it with this. There's been this notion or this concern the last two seasons that when Tony Stubblefield left Oregon to become the head coach at DePaul, there was some fear within the program that they were going to take a step back in recruiting. Um, and they proceeded to be, do just fine. They they landed Khalil Ware. Sure, they had Dior Johnson decommit and not enroll at school. But I don't think we've yet heard it to hear if he's actually at Pitt yet. And I kind of have just my concerns if he would have gotten into Oregon regardless. Um, and then when Chris Crutchfield left to become the head coach at Miami or at Ohio of Nebraska, uh, Ohio of Nebraska, I'm it's in the morning, Omaha of Nebraska, um, that same kind of fear popped up again that there was going to be a step back and that hasn't happened. And it's actually, you know, they've signed two of the four best players in program history in the last two seasons with Tony Stubblefield leaving and then Crutchfield leaving. I, I think this should put to bed the notion that Haltman can't recruit or that this staff can't recruit. They they still have really good dudes, and Altman has made it very clear that he, he can close, and he's made it very clear that he can find a replacement if he loses a, an assistant coach to, to become a head coach somewhere else. I wish there was an Ohio of Nebraska <laughs> that, that was a slip up very interesting geographical school um i'm with you matt i mean and, and it's funny because this happens on message boards probably across the country but certainly on organs all the time um and it's not just men's basketball it's women's basketball gets this treatment it's football that gets this treatment whenever things aren't going incredible it's man this coach can't recruit and then it's a question of if this coach is the right fit i mean there was someone posting a week ago after um, I'll, I'll bring the Suman side just because that's what I'm most familiar with. But Amari Whiting decommitted to go play for her mom at BYU. And there was a, per a person on the site saying, Kelly Graves has been a mess since Sabrina left. And he, I hope, I mean, kind of like, he might not be a good fit here very long. Let's get rid of him. And you're kind of going like, well, they had the number two ranked recruiting class in the country in 2022. Um, the team still has like eight, five stars on it. Like, I think they're doing fine. I mean, they're not, the, the success on the court hasn't been exactly what you'd like, but that happens everywhere. I mean, all most of the elite programs aren't elite every single season. Duke has had seasons even under Coach K where they didn't play very well. You know, they got knocked out early in tournaments or didn't fare very well in the ACC. Mm -hmm. This is what happens everywhere at elite universities. I know Alabama is in football is basically always incredibly good. That is the probably the only program in any major sport that is that way every single season. Even UConn in women's basketball has had some very up and down seasons, right? So. To, for the expectation for it to be absolutely perfect every year, that's just not going to be the case. And recruiting is a thing where it is difficult sometimes because it, 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 there are ups and downs. There are cycles where, and again, especially in basketball, guys, where we're talking about there's like 45 players that probably matter. And you might just have a cycle where of those 45 guys, nobody's really that into your school or very few of those guys are into your school and you just whiff. 
then you turn around and you might have a cycle like this one where Matt is where Matt and the three of us are talking about it, where shoot, they could have three of or four of the top 45. I forget where Jackson, I think he's just outside, but three of the top 45 guys could be in the same cycle. If it goes down best, best case with Evans and cook and then maybe, maybe my favorite player, Pedro Soakovic is a kid. Um, so yeah, I think you just have to be patient and understanding of that. It's also a really strange time in college sports in general. I know we've touched on this before where everyone's kind of figuring out how to best operate with NIL. Um, how much does that benefit Oregon? And my guess is that there were some benefits here with, with this recruit, these recruitments. I think other schools have also had some, some success with NIL and these recruitments that have not gone Oregon's way. And that's just the way it works. I think you have to be accepting and understanding that. I, I posted on the message board a couple of days ago where it gets really old saying, well, this, this school bought this player. Yeah. Okay, that, that's if that's how you want to look at it, but also look at it like every school in the country is trying to find the best way to maneuver through it. And with the way the rules are, because there's no real rules for inducements, <laughs> it's fair game, whether or not you like it or not. So um, to get to the, to the point, though, Matt, yeah, I mean, I think basketball recruiting is it, it comes and goes in cycles. And you could tell Dana, I think, after kind of being snake bit with some of the five stars that come through here, was maybe a little cautious for a couple of cycles about how many they wanted to go after. And this last couple cycles, I think they've kind of focused in on a couple guys they think can really help. And when you have a guy in your own backyard and Mookie Cook and another in Jackson Shellstad who can kind of help with that, and Shellstad not a five-star but a high-end four-star, it makes sense, I think, to take a little bit more of a risk. I know risk sounds weird when we're talking about five stars, but in terms of winning at, at this level, Oregon has had a little bit more success, actually, when they've had fewer five-star, one-and-done true freshman guys on the roster than the opposite. So... Um, I think it's really fascinating to see. And if it is a best case cycle and they land all these guys we just mentioned here, it's going to be one of the most highly anticipated Oregon teams ever. And it'll certainly be one where all of the big NBA draft analyst guys are talking about Oregon all the time because they would have potentially three big time NBA draft prospects. Plus if Kilo Ware were to somehow come back, I mean, it could be a starting five where it's like, could all these guys be first-round picks in the near future? I mean, that's the kind of thing that could take place if this all comes together. Yeah, I mean, that would be – I don't anticipate Clearwater coming back together. I, uh, later today I'll have – or earlier today, I guess, I'll have a, an article <laughs> about Clearwater and where he's been recently mocked in the 2023 mock draft because it's always mock draft season. Um, to go back to, to Matt's original question or point about Altman's recruiting status or standards – a uh, guy can recruit. Um, I think he's proven that everywhere that he's coached. Uh, he's definitely proven that at Oregon. Um, you know, this this notion, same with with women's basketball, that you know, just because of of just because of how the team is done on the floor means that their you know recruiting should be questioned or their coachability should be questioned. No, it you know bad seasons happen. It's okay. Um, it's just how it is. And, and in college sports, especially pro, you can kind of do a little bit more because you, you know, you actually have money to spend. It's not this brand new idea that you can spend money on, on college or on, on actual athletes. Um, it's different and it's not, it's not going to be the same. They're professionals there and they're college players here. They're eight, seven, or 18, 19, 20 year old kids. Um, and again, uh, losing a kid to an NIL deal, that's, it's not because another school bought them. You were, that school, whatever school you are that is saying the other school bottom, you were also trying to buy him 
or buy his services or her services, whatever the case, your deal was on the table and they took a different deal. There's no, there's no reason to blame it on that other school. Um, it's the same when you just lose a recruiting battle because you lose a recruiting battle. Um, but with this class and the potential of this class, it shows, you know, what Dana Altman can do. You know, they brought along Chuck Martin from South Carolina. That's a guy who's familiar with recruiting as well. Um, he signed, he signed a five-star in his time during as a head, or excuse me, as an assistant coach at Indiana and Thomas Bryant, who is now on the Los Angeles Lakers, I think. Um, sure is. Solid back He's up back. There. He's back. Um, it's a guy who, who, who understands how to recruit. Um, the staff, although it doesn't have as big of a, of a recruiting role as probably in years past, um, it's still the allure of, of coming to Oregon, who has been a, a Pac-12 favorite, a Pac-12 contender for the last decade, it, it you know, really feels like. So, and that's, that's important. And, and now you can kind of tell, I know a lot of times in the message boards, we've seen people questioning whether Oregon is, is doing anything in the NIL department um, because it's just not as publicized. It's not like, look at, you know, Larry, the cable guy and his, you know, NIL deal with Larry, the offensive lineman. It's not all over Twitter. It is very behind the scenes with division street. Um, and if you don't think that Kwame Evans has some, some type of deal, or if Mookie cook ends up to deciding to commit, if he has some type of deal, um, then, you know, you're living under a rock. It's just, they don't publicize it as, as often as other schools do. And you know, Oregon is, is all in on recruiting in both football and basketball and women's basketball, baseball, whatever sport it is, they're going to try and recruit the best talents that there are. Um, and for basketball specifically, Dan Allman is, is going to try and recruit the best talents that he can and the ones that best fit his team. Uh, and I think you're seeing that with this class. I know. I, I want to just real quick touch on just expectations. It's hard to do this with basketball because the roster could change. But in the current state where let's just assume guys that are seniors are gone. That's mm -hmm. Will Richardson. Um, that's – I'm having a blank here for a minute. Quincy Guerrier, uh, he will be a senior. Um, I don't think Rivaldo Suarez is a senior. He's he's using the extra year. So you've got two guys that are seniors um, that are – there. oh, and, and Jermaine Cousinard too. Uh, he's a redshirt senior. So you have three guys that are gone. And or, and we could – sorry, Dante. I keep forgetting Dante. Four. Richardson, Dante, Guerrier, and uh, Jermaine Cousinard. All four of those guys are gone. You could potentially see Kalel Ware go pro. Let's just for a second just say anyone that's underclassman comes back. I really think even as a two-man class of Jackson Shellstead and Kwame Evans – this puts Oregon in that picture where the expectations is going to have to be to win the conference. Like that, that's, I think a fair expectation for this team. And when you win your conference at the power five level, you're expected to go deep into March. Yeah, no question. I mean, and, and if this comes best case scenario, the expectations maybe almost get too high just because as we talked about in other shows with, True freshmen, sometimes it's hard to know what to expect, and they're up and down. And as Jared was saying, you're relying on 18, 19-year-olds. It can be kind of a challenge. But, no, it, it, if, if that's the way this all plays out, 
you still have what three five stars that are all within the first several years when when you have Biddle, you have Ware, you have Evans. If we're not even including Mookie Cook, if Cook is in the picture, that's where again, if if all you could have a starting five where it's like and again, I don't know if that really fits positionally because now you're playing like four guys that are probably up the position from where they should be. You got Ware at center at seven foot, you've got Biddle at like power four, but then you have Evans playing small forward and Cook playing shooting guard. That's like an NBA like it's a Boston Celtics lineup right there. That's that's like taller than the Boston Celtics right there. Yeah, no, it's yeah. a big. That's a big old lineup. The bit you're right in terms of the guards and, and the size of like your perimeter players being like legit six seven six eight guys. Um, that would be that would be an absurd lineup to roll out there if that kind of thing came together. Yeah, it really would be. Um, you know, I just for the sake of of this discussion, just assuming everybody would be back. Yeah, that would be. Um, an unbelievably on paper talented team, um, you know, just with every Dana Altman incoming freshman class, they just got to learn the system. Um, and the, the quicker they do that, the quicker this team comes together. Um, and as far as expectations go, I think Oregon, you know, is expecting to compete for the Pac-12 championship every season. Um, I know some years it looks more likely than others, but even in the years that haven't looked likely on paper, um, They've been in the discussion. They've been in the preseason polls. They've been right there. It's just, you know, it comes down to what's the teammate chemistry like? What's what's the system looking like? How quickly do the incoming people learn the system? Um, and that'll be the same exact scenario in this in this instance. If it is just Kwame and Jackson Chelstad coming back with all these guys, you know, how how well integrated could they be? Um, you know, if they add Mookie, if they add so Jakovic absolutely need to, you know, contend for a Pac-12 title. But I think that's just the the standard that Dana Altman has set here in the last, you know, 10, 12 years. That's a good point. And we should also note, like, look, the reality is someone on this roster, probably more than one, will transfer out, you know, at the end of 2022, absolutely. 2023. Like that's, but there's that's probably two or three guys who are going to transfer in, too. Yep, exactly. It's been a revolving door in college football and basketball. Excuse right. Me. And so I, I know if, if you were looking for us to do a projected depth chart, you know, down the road or, you know, discuss that here on the podcast, it's just too hard right now. We just don't know. College basketball, it's in a, in a state where the rosters are ever changing. Your most valuable recruits are your current players. And that's where it is. And it's hard to project two years out, unfortunately. But that being said, when it gets closer, when we have do that, do have a clear idea of who's coming, who's going, that will happen, and with today's news, Kwame Evans will be in that depth chart for the 2023-2024 college basketball season for the Oregon Ducks with his verbal commitment. You've been listening to this emergency edition of the Ots and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with our recap of Oregon Media Day from a football standpoint. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 